0: Good morning guys. Good morning. Good morning. I, there we go. How are you guys doing? Let me, let me get set up here uh, because I will get distracted if I'm not oh. Uh, So some of you might recognize me because uh, I I did a a message with you, but on video, like a while ago. And um, so this is like the first time in the flesh with you guys, it's great. And actually it's much better than the last time I spoke because Jeremy said, hey, would you do this? It's on video. And I said, yes. And usually when you're invited to do that, you get to do whatever you want. And Jeremy's like, oh, by the way, we're gonna be in a series. And this is your week, and here's a book to read. And I'm like, are <laughs> <laughs> like, you serious, like, come on. Like, why are you giving me whole, homework? Uh, great. Thanks, man. And it was, it took all of me then, and it will take all of me today not to just swear a lot and cause scandal in the all generations. servant. but no. Um, but anyways, I, I I'm the regional leader of this region, which is becoming a different region of the Vineyard. I'm, I'm, it's been such a privilege to do that. And Jeremy and I got to know each other really significantly over the last two and a half years, because we were part of a cohort for two years where there was a group of us that met together every month on Zoom and sort of walked through pandemic together. It was a, such a beautiful thing. And, and so when I was asked to become regional leader, the, one of the first phone calls I made was to Jeremy. He said, "Hey, Jeremy, you know how you don't have any space, and you're too busy. And why will will you take another job, and will you be the area leader? And and so, like, as I look out, first and foremost, thank you for your friendship. Now, the reality is that Jeremy's friendship is significant to me in more ways than mine is to him. He doesn't know this." Um, And so the best way to tell somebody that is publicly. (laughs) But as I've got to know you, your faithfulness, humility, generosity, and kindness is only surpassed by the wisdom that you allow God to birth in you. And he does that in ways as you allow your heart to be broken by the pain of the world. You don't divorce yourself from what's going around because it doesn't affect you. You embrace the pain of the world, allow it to break your heart, but also allow it to point you to the hope of the ever advancing kingdom of God. It's a rare quality. And because of that, I'm a better person. I'm, not, I'm still not a good person. I'm just better. <laughs> Marginally, thank you. Oh, and speaking of the cohort, uh, I got a video real quick, and then we'll get started. Hello, Jeremy, Kimberly, and Baton Rouge Vineyard. My name is Jimmy Reyes, and I am the pastor at the Valley Vineyard in Los Angeles, California. I just wanted to uh, just send a blessing to you, a blessing upon uh, Jeremy, Kimberly, and, and, and the baby in this new season of life, and also for the baton rouge vineyard with the new pastor as well just many blessings upon everybody god bless you hey jeremy just wanted to honor you and say congratulations on a job well done blessings to you in baton rouge vineyard church Uh, god is with you we're with you uh, praying for you and bless you hey jeremy uh, michael hansen here from uh, sunbury ohio uh bless you well done. I know this is your last Sunday there in Baton Rouge, and I just want to say what an inspiration you've been over this last couple of years to me personally as a pastor. Obviously, it's been a challenging time, but well done in in setting out to uh, follow Jesus, obey Jesus, love Jesus, and and love and care for the people there in the church. And so uh, big hug, cyber hug, <laughs> if you will, but uh, love you, bless you, uh, and, and uh, again, congratulations. Hey Jeremy, I just wanna thank you for being a great leader during an incredibly challenging time. I am sure that you and your family and your ministry were a blessing to your city, um, to Haiti, to many people. And I'm sure that the fruit of what you've done able to hang out spend together and the future moments that we'll have together but in terms of what's next for you you cheering for you and i know god uh, has more work for you and your family to participate in so uh, just stay sensitive to his nudges and keep saying yes to his invitations god bless you love you buddy See. yeah anyways Your life. (laughs) Uh, So, thank you. So this is a, a momentous day for you as a church. There's an installation here. Alan is stepping in and saying yes to God's call on his life. Yes to the call of God for this church. And yes for a love for this city that will bring transformation to it. And the reality is that your future is an ancient one. It's the story of God that has been written across the globe through his church since its inception. And the specialness of each pastor and leader and member of this congregation in whatever season that they serve does not diminish the specialness of those that come or the different that it might look like and so you guys are embarking on something beautiful. And so as I was thinking about you embarking on this, I, I wanted to share out of the story of Moses a little bit. So we're going to talk about water today. We're going to start in Numbers 21 through 11, but before we do that, I'm just going to pray. Father, you're good, exceedingly good, and we thank you. We thank you for your word, which is alive and applicable to our lives today. We thank you for the incredible sacrifice that is your son, Jesus, and how it is through his life and death and resurrection that your word takes its proper perspective in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you're here with us. And we ask that you would speak. Speak words of comfort or conviction where they're needed. And we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, I said Numbers 21 through 11. We'll get there. We're going to start in Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Let me give a little bit of context to where we're at. If we don't know the story of Moses, we, we have the people of God that are in captivity and they are they're they're in this an unbelievably painful cycle of servitude and servitude and servitude for somebody that does not care for them, that is abusing them, that, and their service allows for the, the wealth of their captors to grow while they are dying slowly. However, they've been in it so long and have so little hope that it'll change that they've begun to be OK with it. They're just OK with it because it's what it is. And Moses comes along, and you can look into the story of Moses, and God prompts Moses and says, you are going to be the person. You are going to be the voice. You're the prophetic voice, and you're going to go in, and you are going to take my people and lead them to freedom. And Moses says, no, please no. But he does. He does it anyways. And and all of the steps, God shows up. And Moses obeys, and the people follow. And then they go out, and the expectations are, we're free now, everything will be better. And guess what? It's not. They are now in this tension of the not yet, and the now. The already, and the not fully, and the kingdom tension we live in today, it could be this, it will be this, but it's not. And specifically in this moment, they are hungry, previously they're hungry, and they go cry to God, and God says, I will, I'm gonna make food come down from the heavens. For the kids in the room, I think there's a movie about this. <laughs> I think it's a cartoon, you know, I think hamburgers and stuff, but anyways, it's like that, with less variety. It's just the same thing. It's just chicken tenders all the time. (laughs) They've seen the faithfulness of God. And they find themselves in this other situation that is untenable, which is there is no water. So in verse 17, they are complaining. Because that's what people do. And there's no water, and they argue with Moses, and they say, give us Something to drink give us water to drink and Moses said to them. Why are you arguing with me? Why are you testing the Lord? Here's what Moses is saying water is not my job That's God's job why are, you, why are you bugging me didn't you just see that he just like chicken tenders just fall from the come on But the people were thirsty and they complain to Moses, and then they start this. We should have just stayed where we were. Like it was better there. Oh yeah, yeah, great, indentured servitude, much better than being a little thirsty. We were. Why'd you just bring us out here to die? I mean, they're just. It's melodramatic. They are. They are essentially teenagers. <laughs> when you take their screen time, And I was just bored. There's nothing to do. Oh. If you, if you don't do something, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt my stomachs. Shut up. Come on. Go to the woods. Kill a bear. Do something. I don't know. <laughs> so Moses does this. He goes to God and he cries out in verse 5. And he says, your people, again, parenting, it's when your kid. I look at my wife. You know your kids? What's going on here? And God says to Moses, said, take in your hand the staff that you have, the shepherd's rod, and you're going to go here. In verse 6, it says, I'll be standing there in front of you on the rock that Lord, Hit the rock. Water will come out of it, and the people will be able to drink. And Moses did so, and everybody watched. And God did what he said he would do. Here's what happens. The people needed water. So they asked for it. Not well. didn't have manners. They're a little bit out of of line in the way they're asking. And Moses did his job. He said, this isn't my job. And so he did. He said, this is a God job, not a Moses job. And so he went to God and he said, he asked and then he listens, and then he acts. And here's what God did. He did what God does. He did his job. He listened to Moses, he spoke to Moses, and then he is present as Moses acts, and the people give water. In the midst of the tensions, uh, we thought paradise was coming, and we're in pain, And we are free, but we're not in the fullness of the freedom. In the midst of the angst that we've seen you provide food, but now we need water. In all of that, Moses does his job. And God responds by doing what God does. And the people get to drink. There's this expectation that they're living in that is not fully met, and the tension of that. But here's the reality. We hear the people angry at Moses, I'm going to give you a secret. They're not angry at Moses. They don't know how to deal with the grief they're living in. And the grief is related to the fact that every change is loss, even if it's for good. Even if the change will at some point reveal itself to be the best thing possible, in the moment of change, it is experienced as loss, and as such, needs to be grieved, and they haven't done it. They just keep going. And so they begin to look longingly back to, to, to slave life, to enslaved lives. They look back to that with with this, this sort of rose-colored glasses of it was, no, 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 no. You haven't grieved the loss that comes from change. You're not angry at Moses. You have not processed it be. But God in his faithfulness says, here's the answer to your immediate solution. Here's the water. The disciple repeats itself, and now we can go to Numbers. And in Numbers, in chapter 20, we find them without water again. And we see the pattern repeat. What does Moses say here? In verse verse 6, Moses and Aaron went away from the assembly after they're complaining again. They're doing the whole thing. I wish we would die. It's so boring. We need water. Why don't we have more channels? Netflix doesn't have anything anymore. Anyways, they (coughs) take the whole deal. And Moses and Aaron go away. And they fall on their faces. And they ask God, and God shows up, and He speaks to Moses, and He says this: He says, "You and Aaron, take the staff and assemble the community in the presence, in their presence, and tell the rock to provide water. You will produce water from the rocks for them and allow the community and their animals to drink." So to this point, we see the same cycle repeating itself. The people lose it. They still have the process, the grief that comes from the loss of change. And they don't like what they don't like, and they're letting Moses know. Why? Moses is the leader. And they got issues. And they say, we want water. And Moses says, that's not a Moses problem, that's a God problem. And so he goes back to God, and he, he speaks to him, and he says, he asks him, hey, your people need water, will you give it? He listens to him, and God, in his faithfulness, hears Moses and speaks, and he says, go tell the rock to give water, and you'll get it. But something happens that's not the way it happened before. As Moses has all the people gathered and everybody's there, these people that have experienced the faithfulness of God, these people who should know better than to be complaining about a God problem when God always fixes the God problems, they're there and they are incessant in their complaining. They are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are you there? And and Moses is like, we're just going to the grocery store. It's a half a mile away. Leave me alone. But Moses, in his frustration to hear the complaining of the people and the incessant desire to know when they're gonna get water, he hits the rock. Why? Because it worked before. Because in the frustration and the pressure of the people that will not stop complaining to him, he goes, I know this works, I'm just going to do what I know. He loses the perspective of what it got the water to come in the first place, which was ask, listen, act. He asked, he listened, he did his own thing. Because it worked before. I know how to get water, You hit the rock. Boom. And what did God do? He gave the people water. Why? That's his job. That's a God problem and God was gonna fix it. The problem is that Moses loses the promised land. God speaks to Moses, This says, Moses I-, I told you to speak to the rock but the frustrations of the people got you to do what you knew worked instead of what I asked you to do. And as such, all of the toil, all of the pain, all that it's cost you, you still won't see the promise. See, I'm fascinated by this. Because it feels very real to the way I experience life. In the tension. In expectations and grief. As a human. And listen, I'm sure that most of you are better than I am. As an assumption I live with, I'm okay with. But what I see, and what I hope to see, are oftentimes not a lot. <clears throat> and the tension of that is palpable. As a pastor in pandemic, which by the way, super fun, <laughs> highly recommended, <laughs> if you wanna lose your sanity, you like just start getting gray hair everywhere, or end up with the dermatologist that says, Oh, all those things that are popping out of your body, that's stress. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Whatever. I feel the pressure as a leader oftentimes to go hit the rocks. I know it works. I know what it feels like when the Holy Spirit begins to move in our presence in a time of worship. And I know in the past where it has been, this is where you're building the momentum of how are we going to play this out and then then we're going to take advantage of it. We're just going to, like, we're going to, we're going to blow up into the explosion of the of a move of the Holy Spirit in this place. Forget the message. Forget everything. We need everybody down here. We need some crying. We need some shaking. We need you to fall over. Where's the mod- modesty cloth so we can put them over? Like I know how this works. Even if you're wearing jeans, you just never know. We just can't let the devil... and we know this is happening and the first time it was was spontaneous but next week we will have trained catchers. And by the way, if you're catching arms like this, not like this gentlemen, like this and then slowly lay them down to the side. I know how it works. I know how they hit a rock. But here's what I know. But the water, that's not my job. That's God's job. My job is to ask, listen, and act. Your job as a congregation is to ask for water but do it better than those Yahoo's did. (laughs) Seriously. Be humble and gracious. Be kind and loving. And look for signs of the the water, the kingdom all around you. Be long-suffering. Understand that it will come when it's supposed to. not when you produce it, even if you can. The church's job is to see the drought in us and around us and cry for water, cry for the kingdom. For the mission of God in evangelism, in discipleship, in community, in missions around the world, and stewardship of the resources that God brings in the move of the Holy Spirit, in life and life abundant, and in justice, justice that leads to restoration and the rightness of the creation, the creator, and the kingdom. The church's job is to say, There isn't that, and we need it. That's your job. How? It's not your job to give it, or produce it, or manufacture it, even if you know how to. It's just not your job. Your job is to ask, to listen, and to act. God will do His job in that. He will listen, He will speak, and He will be with you as you act. In a time where everything makes no sense—that's not a way you should phrase that—but who cares? I'm gonna leave here and then, and then I'll I'll do another video message, but I'll do my own then, not the book. (laughs) When everything feels so foreign. The natural inclination of humanity is to look for something that resembles something that was comforting in the past. To get back to normal. To get back to something. To get something that has been lost. And it is, in essence, asking for something that does not exist. Although it can be produced, it's not authentic. It might not even be what God's doing today, but it can feel like what he did yesterday. The people got their water, didn't they? We got water, we got water yesterday, we got water today. Don't be confused, the presence of God the move of the Holy Spirit is not a confirmation of your rightness. It just isn't. It's a confirmation of His goodness. Amen. The water came not because the people were right. The water came because God is good. The presence of God, the move of the Spirit does not come because you're right. It comes because He is good. And as such, Your job is to ask, to listen, and to act. Nothing more. You know how to hit some rocks. Hit them if God asks you to. But if he says to speak to it, speak to it. You know how to ask for water. You know how to ask for the kingdom. Do it. But remember who gives it. It's not that guy. It wasn't this guy, and it wasn't any of them before. It's God's job, God. and He's faithful and good, and He'll do it. As the worship team comes back up, I just want to encourage you as a church you're doing the most valiant thing you can do, which is have hope and expectancy for the move of God, for the presence of God, for the advancement of His kingdom, in you, for the world, around you. Don't stop that. The way it happens shouldn't matter. If it feels like it did yesterday, it shouldn't matter. If it makes me uncomfortable, probably good. My charge for you as a con- congregation is do your job. See that the kingdom isn't everywhere it should be in the ways that God desires in the world out there, in the room, in here, and in here, in you, recognize and cry out for the kingdom. Alan, hear those cries. And know that those cries are real and important. And that although you have taken the position to lead this community, You have not assumed the responsibility of providing something that is God's to provide So seek Him. Ask Him. Listen to what He says. And then act. And if we do that, God will do what He does. He will hear. He will speak. And He will be with you all as the water.